Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13 is what we will be looking at this morning. When the Spirit Comes would be the, the title of this message in our series, uh, First Church, the church is calling Acts. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning is when the Spirit came. Now, the Spirit had been around. Uh, it was, was not a, a new, uh, new invention by any means. The Spirit had been at work. But the Spirit did not indwell people, except for the rare occasion, until this moment. And the Spirit began to indwell Christians. This is when it happened. Waiting's the worst, right, though? I mean, we made the mistake of telling Jace, our three and three-quarter-year-old, that uh, we're going on vacation in not too many days. Uh, actually, we just told him we were going on a trip and that we had to go do some clothes shopping for that trip yesterday. So now every 10 minutes, we get asked when we're going on a trip. A few days, seven sleeps, seven night sleeps. We've got to make it clear. Seven night sleeps. And we'll get asked 10 minutes later, trip, tip, I tip, I tip. In a few days... Constantly, Because waiting is the worst, right? And he's not going to have that much fun. I mean, let's be, he's going to be 10 hours in a car the first couple of days. He is not going to enjoy that. But he likes the idea of it anyway, right? And he hates to wait on it. He doesn't, we're, kids were that way about Christmas. Uh, adults were that way about Christmas. Um, waiting is the hardest part. Linus, I'm a huge Peanuts fan. I love Snoopy growing up. It actually... Snoopy caused uh, a minor heart attack for my mother uh, when I was about two and a half years old, and I got away from her in Village Fair Mall in Meridian, Mississippi, and uh, they couldn't find me, and I was at the end of uh, an aisle of uh, uh, Hallmark cards, the Hallmark store, playing with Boopy. Uh, I was gone for a couple of hours, and that was not uh, a good time for them. I put that cartoon in your bulletin. If you read your bulletin already, then, then you had... From the looks of the heads that just went down, you haven't read your bulletin yet. That's all right. Um, that cartoon about Linus, and, and you read it, and, and cartoons are horrible sermon illustrations to try to describe. I can't tell it to you and it, and it make uh, sense or be funny, but if you read it, you see that Linus was waiting for something. He was waiting for something he wanted badly to happen, and it, uh, you can tell as he gets to the end of that cartoon, he's just not sure it's going to happen. That that one thing he's waiting for, it, it's just, it's not. It's a depressing day, and then suddenly at the end, he sneezes. And if you don't know what I'm talking about because you haven't read it, we'll do that after the sermon now. Um, he sneezes, and that's what I've been waiting for. And he turns around, and he hauls everything back home. The disciples had a very similar reaction. They had been waiting. They had been told to wait. They had been told to uh, just hold on. Go back to Jerusalem. Don't leave. And and uh, and it'll happen. I promise. The Spirit will come. And they had been waiting not very long. Uh, probably about seven days. About the same amount of time Jace has to wait for our tip. Um, but they had been waiting. And finally that day came. And the Spirit came. And they got to say, that's what I've been waiting for. Church, when we raise our sails to catch the Holy Spirit, what we talked about last week, 
we will know without a doubt when he comes and fills them. We will know. It will be certain. And we're going to look at that this morning. This passage, Acts 2, 1 through 13, actually shows us nine results of filled sails of a church, a group of people, Jesus followers, followers of the way, believers waiting with their sails raised for the Holy Spirit to blow. And when he did, they knew it. And there are nine marks, nine uh, results of field, filled sails. We, we saw that play, but read it with me again. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. And tongues, like flames of fire that were divided, appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different languages, as the Spirit gave them ability for speech. There were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. When this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They were astounded and amazed, saying, Look, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us can hear in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those who live in Mesopotamia, in Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking the magnificent acts of God in our own languages. They were all astounded and perplexed, saying to one another, What could this be? But some sneered and said, They are full of new wine. The Holy Spirit showed up. They were in that room. They were waiting. They knew it was coming. And then, maybe when they least expected it, maybe when they most fully expected it, the Spirit showed up. What can we expect, church, when we raise our sails to catch the Holy Spirit? What can we expect? What can we look for to know that the Holy Spirit has gotten us? He has filled our sails and has begun to push us push us in the direction that we need to go. I think we see nine things here, that uh, nine results of that, and some of y'all just shuddered. He has nine points to his sermon. I've said before I'll be brief, and I generally lie. So I'll just tell you, hang on, and we'll get through them as quickly as we can. Number one, we see that we need to expect to see something we haven't seen. Verses 1 through 3 show us that particularly. That when the day of Pentecost arrived, they're all together, and suddenly all this stuff started happening. When the Holy Spirit comes, it won't be the way we planned. It won't look like what we expected. We may have our ideas today of what it should look like when the Holy Spirit is working through our church, working through us as individuals. We have our ideas. We have our um, our plans. We, we have things all mapped out and worked out. And this is what we're going to do in, in two weeks. And this is what we're going to do in two months. And this is what we're going to do in two years. But when the Holy Spirit comes, when the Holy Spirit fills our sails and begins to push, we can just about guarantee that it won't be the way we planned. Now, if we are truly living in the Spirit now, 
And we all let's 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 get this part out of the way too. We are two thousand years after this Holy Spirit first came, first indwelt believers. We have the Holy Spirit now. At the point of our salvation, the Holy Spirit fills us. But there's also clearly in the New Testament times of refreshing, times of a a renewed filling. Now we as Baptists aren't. Pentecostal or charismatic in our our beliefs, so we don't believe that that shows up in any outward visible sign like tongues or some sort of ecstatic speech or uh, uncontrolled movements or anything like that. But we cannot get past the fact that the Holy Spirit does regularly fill us. That is that there is a refilling, a refreshing of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and that's really what we're talking about this morning: is that refilling, that refreshing. But we get to go and look and see what the Holy Spirit did among the first church. And we see those results. We see those markers of this is what happens. Because this happens over and over and over in, in the book of Acts. And we're going to see it. doesn't mean it's going to happen the same way every time for us. Or we get the same markers. But we can look for these same principles. These same uh, results of possibly and most likely different manifestations of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Does that make sense to you? I hope so, because we're going to move on. So it won't be the way we planned or, or the way we look. We will make these plans. We will put these ideas in our future calendar based on what we feel like God through the Holy Spirit is telling us now. But then when the Holy Spirit begins to work, when he grabs hold of us and grabs hold of our plans, they may look different. Tom and Amy, particularly, and all of us on Tuesday as a ministerial staff, are going to be looking at uh, uh, some ideas for this fall. Uh, I'm not going to give away any of the hints because I, I want this to be—I uh, want it to be a big surprise for you when it happens. But some some things we're looking at. Great, wonderful ideas that when they came to me after the Send North America conference that they were at last weekend, and I told you they're going to be coming back with ideas, they did. Great ideas. Holy Spirit-led ideas. But even in our planning right now for August and September and October, God may do something else. And when it happens, it will be wonderful. We'll go, we had this idea, but man, we can't believe what God's doing now instead. We were thinking here, and he was thinking here. That's what we see. Expect to see something you haven't seen. They got three proofs of the Holy Spirit's work. And we may not get those things, but they knew immediately it was the Holy Spirit. They got an aural proof. They they heard something like a wind. They heard a sound like the wind. I don't believe there was an actual wind that blew through the room. It's not what it says. It says they heard a noise like a wind. There was a visual proof of the Holy Spirit. Flames, something that looked like fire. It, it, this this tongue of, of flame, or it looked like a flame, showed up, and then it split and settled on everybody else. So they had oral, they had visual, then they had demonstrable. There were things that they were able to do that they had not been able to do previously. These languages that they could speak. They couldn't do those without the Holy Spirit. And those languages introduce number two. Number one, expect to see something you haven't seen. Number two, when the Holy Spirit fills, fills your sails, expect to do something you haven't done. First part of verse four. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues. 
God will use you first in a way that you can't imagine. Just like we have our ideas, we have our plans, we have our future laid out to some extent. God will use us in a way that we cannot imagine, church. We have, I, I can only do this, or I'm only as good as that. And, and God will say, no, 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 you're only as good as the Holy Spirit that fills you. Jesus said when he left, you'll do things I didn't do. You know that, right? That he's, when, he, when he left, he said, you, you've seen everything that I've done. You will do this and more because of the Holy Spirit that I send to you. We will do things we can't imagine, and God will use us in a way that we never thought we could, or He could. We will do things that we, we there's just no way I can do that. Folks, I've told you all before, I'll tell you again, I had no plans to be a preacher. Some of you all thinking, good thing, you're still not. But uh, I had no plans for it. When I got called to the ministry, it was music ministry. I had no desire I, I, I did not want, wasn't quite fear, but close enough of standing up here and speaking. The idea that I could stand up and speak to somebody, to a group, for 15, 20 minutes blew my mind. I got over that. Um, now I can't shut up. But that is the Holy Spirit. I, I, that is not something, I didn't go to seminary. And learn to be a preacher. Uh, when I was at LSU, I studied speech communication to help me with those things. But I started preaching, teaching, long before I, I did those things in school. Why? Because the Holy Spirit gifted me for those things. I'm doing something I never thought I could do because I raised my sails and I said, Holy Spirit, fill me. What were they doing? Well, they, it was speaking. Again, they were speaking different languages. Now, these were known languages that they were speaking. Uh, it was not a spiritual language that they were speaking. It was not uh, a miracle of hearing. It wasn't that they were speaking Greek or Aramaic, whatever their most comfortable language was, and everybody around them was hearing in their own language. They were hearing the people speak in their own language, in, in, the, in a different language. So it would be like you showing up somewhere and suddenly you're able to speak Portuguese or you're able to speak Swahili or you're able to speak Greek or Hebrew. Having never taken it, you just suddenly start speaking that language. That's what they were doing, something that they had never done and certainly never thought they could do. Number three, expect to know that it's God. When the Holy Spirit comes, when the Holy Spirit shows up, expect to know that it's God. Verse 4b, as the Spirit gave them ability to first speech. They knew it was the Holy Spirit. They knew it was God doing this. They, they knew they couldn't have done this on their own. This is not something I just woke up someday and was able to do. His fingerprints will be all over what's going on when the Holy Spirit feel, fills the sails of this church. You individually will have a, a, a new ministry on your heart. I'm hearing that now. I'm hearing that from a few of you. You know, I, I, we've been talking about X in Sunday school, and I think we can do that. I think we need to do this sort of thing. And I, I hear over here, you know, we've been, we, we, we say these words, but are we living it? And, and I hear ministry growing over here. That, that is the Holy Spirit working on your heart as you raise your sails to catch the wind of, of the Spirit. A, a new ministry on your heart. A burden for a person. 
or a people, a group, hurting for someone who does not have what you have, whether it's financially they don't have what you have or they don't have the food that you have, they don't have the gospel that you have, and that's the primary goal. A burden for those people. That is, you know that it's God that's doing that. A scripture that sticks. A scripture that you just can't get out of your mind. You heard it in Sunday school three weeks ago, four weeks ago. I preached on it three months ago, five months ago. And and you just can't get that scripture off your heart. That's the Holy Spirit. It's not an accident. It's not an earworm. It's something that He is saying to you because He wants you to know it's me talking to you. Listen, I've got this for you. His fingerprints will be all over it because it will be something only He could do. You won't wonder if you did it. You won't have to sit back and think, Now, did I learn Swahili and not know it? No, you'll know. That that scripture, you'll wonder, When did I hear that scripture? I don't remember in Sunday. Did we talk about that in Sunday school? Or was it that it was on the radio? You won't know. Because God will have given that to you. God will have placed that in your heart. And you'll know... That's the Holy Spirit blowing through my sails right now, trying to get me to a particular destination. Number four, expect your world to notice. Look at verses five and six. Now, there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven. When this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Expect your world to notice when the Holy Spirit blows through your sails. If the world does not notice, you're a Christian. If the world sees no difference between the way you act and the way they act, the Holy Spirit's not blowing through your sails. A change brought about by the Spirit will be obvious to those around you. The folks around this 120 or so people in this room, they knew, they heard the roar there's this rushing sound, there's no wind, and suddenly I look up and these folks are coming out of the room and, and they're speaking in my language, my heart language. Everybody there probably spoke either Aramaic or Greek. But these were people who, for whom that was not their heart language. That was not the language they grew up around. It, it, you know, southwest, South Louisiana, we've got plenty of folks, I think, I think it's a dying dying phenomenon, but we have folks that grew up speaking French. Their heart language today, I know uh, particularly Hannah Kane, our church secretary, her, either daddy or mama, I think it was her daddy, didn't speak English at home. He grew up very Cajun. That's his heart language. Uh, He speaks fluent English now. That's not an issue, but he would have heard had he been there, he'd have heard I don't know, when do y'all do it? I, I don't speak any of it. I, the, he, he would have heard Shah and, 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 and Laissez Le Bon temps. I don't know. He, he would have heard that coming out of their mouths and gone, Whoa! You know, that, that's, what he would have, that's what he would have gotten. That's my best impression of a Cajun speaker. But he would have known. They knew. This is not, this is not me. This, this, I mean, this is not these people. This this is not what I expect from them. What is difference? 
what is different. There will be a noticeable difference. You will not be who you were when the Holy Spirit has filled your sails. And, 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 and church, I'm not talking about you haven't been saved and you get the Spirit the first time. I am talking about when the Spirit is controlling you, when the Spirit is blowing through your sails right now as a believer. Because as believers, I think we, we, we let, I know, I know, we let our sails go slack. And sometimes we pull them down altogether for fear the Holy Spirit might blow through them. And we just don't want that because He's going to put us out to sea and I don't want to fool with that. And I can't see bottom. And, I, you know, there's so many problems. I, I just, I, I'm going to pull my sails in and hope He never tells me to do anything. That's what we have done for far too long. But as a church and as individuals, we need to raise those sails and let there be a difference between us and everybody else. There must be a difference between us and everybody else. The fifth thing we can expect is we can expect our past and our present to be brought up. Look at verse 7. They, the people that are around them hearing all this stuff, they were astounded and amazed saying, Look, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Let me translate that for you into the vernacular. Look! Aren't all these who are speaking hicks? Aren't these uneducated people? Aren't these people unable to do the very thing that they're doing? These are people who don't know languages. They can't tie their shoes. How can they speak of my language so fluently in a way that it, it, it warms me from the inside? I'm immediately taken back to my home with my grandparents and my parents right there beside me. How, how is that possible? These aren't the people that should be able to do that. You, you, you will be disqualified by many that hear you. Uh, their disbelief will lead to disqualifiers. The, the people who know you, when the, when the Spirit catches you and, and people who know you see it, they will say to you, yes, but I know what you did. I know what you used to be. I know what you were yesterday. As a matter of fact, I know what you are today. And you will have to say, that's right. I, that, that is me. Your sins will be brought up. And they will try to disqualify you because of your sins. Or they'll try to disqualify you because of your education. You can't be smart enough to do this. You, you don't know what you're talking about. You, who do you think you are? You're so uppity now. Whatever, blah, 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 blah. They'll bring it up. And all you can do is say, as Peter does, the sermon that we're going to look at next time. And say, you know, it doesn't really matter what you think about me. Let me tell you what God's Word says. Let me tell you about Jesus. Maybe your heritage or your family. They know what your grandpa did and what your daddy was. So you certainly didn't fall far from that tree. Etc. 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 You will be disqualified by people who, who know your past and your present. But you cannot allow them to do that. Because we still have a calling. We still have a command. You are different. You're a new creature. You are changed. Are you perfect? No. But you are new. And every time the Holy Spirit fills your sails, you are prepared. And you are sent. And you are admonished. You are... Uh, you, you are... Um, 
qualified. You, you are given the tools. That's the word I was trying to find. You, you, you're, they, they, you're ready. You're ready for the disqualification. They tried it again with Peter and John in, in, in court and said, you're just, you're, 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 you're nobody. These aren't educated people. And yet they spoke with eloquence. Because Jesus said, never worry about what you will say. But in the time that you need the words, the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. Expect your past and your present to be brought up. Number six, expect to reach further than you imagined. Church, we need to open our eyes. We need to reach everybody. We need to see the person sitting next to us, the person living across the street. But we can never say that, Michael, we're only a couple of hundred folks. There's no way we can reach an unreached, unengaged people group somewhere in a foreign country. Yeah, there is a way because we have the Holy Spirit. The believers this day, in verses 8 through 11, how is it, these people said, how is it that each of us can hear them in our own native language? And then we have a list of all these countries, or or areas, cities, and and some of them are, are, are cities, some of them are countries, some of them are actually just languages. Uh... It's interesting how Luke put this in there. It, it circles, it starts way... If you're looking at the map, i got to turn around this way. It starts over here in uh, the, the northeast, and it circles around Israel and comes back down to the tip of Africa, back to the southern part, and ends up right there in the middle. He, 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 he creatively listed everybody that was around Israel. All these groups. He's he's saying the whole world is what he's saying. The whole world heard them. Now, do you think when they got up that morning, those believers expected that audience for that sermon? The answer is no. When they got up this that morning, they never imagined that they were about to preach. Peter was with the prayer support of, of his church preach to all of these people from around the world. Jesus had just said tenish days earlier, you'll be my witnesses to Judea, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And here, ten days later, they're preaching to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. I guarantee you, if I were a betting man, I would put all the money I have on the fact that they had no idea within 10 days they'd be preaching to the whole world. As a matter of fact, what they were thinking when Jesus said that was, no way. I mean, Jesus, were fishermen. Uh, we might, we might hit Jerusalem. And I know we've been to Galilee and Capernaum and we've been around this. We'll, yeah, all right, we can get Judea, Samaria, we've been there. Yeah, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll go back to Samaria if we have to. Um, yeah, we'll, but, but ends of the earth, come on, Jesus. Ten days later, they preached to the ends of the earth. Tell me that we can't do what Jesus calls us to do. And I will call you a liar. Because we can. Because we have the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit fills and leads, our reach and our influence expands. There is no limit to the reach of... uh, There's no limitation, rather, on the Spirit's use of His people. 
There is nothing First Baptist Sulphur cannot do if we will legitimately raise our sails and say, Holy Spirit, you fill them, you push us. There's nothing we can't do. But we've got to be willing to let him. We've got to be willing to say, it's not about us. It's about him. You want to know the influence that this group had? This sermon of Peter's that we'll get to, this experience on this day very likely led to the church in Rome that Paul wrote the letter to. This day. Because Paul had never been to Rome. He writes that letter to Rome and says, I've never visited y'all, but y'all know about me. Let, me. let me expand and make sure you understand the Christian faith. It is likely, it is possible at least, that that church started because of this sermon. Because of this 120 people who are waiting on the Spirit. And when it came, like Linus said, that's what I've been waiting for. And they were faithful. Number seven, expect to talk to expect to talk about God, not you or your church or anything else. Look at verse eleven B, the second half of verse eleven. We hear them declaring the magnificent acts of God in our own tongues. Notice what they weren't talking about. Well, you know, we've got this group of one hundred twenty. Uh, kind of call ourselves a church. We're not sure exactly right what, but. Peter's the pastor. He's not the greatest preacher. Um, he's, he's okay. I mean, he's, but if we're, we're, we're kind of looking for resumes to see if we can find somebody a little bit better to preach. I mean, we don't have the best facilities. Um, it's there. Well, it's got some, we've got some problems. Uh, we, uh, well, you know, it's, it, everything would be good except for so-and-so. We, you know, Mary, she thinks because she's Jesus' mom. I don't know. Um, you know, that's not what they were talking about. What were they talking about? We hear them declaring the magnificent acts of God. That's what they were talking about. When the Spirit is working, you, your church, your affiliation, your politics, no longer are the focus. Jesus is the focus. The magnificent works of God. And what is the most magnificent work of God? Salvation through Jesus Christ. That is the message Peter's about to preach. He could have preached a number of things. He could have told them why Judaism was wrong. He could have told them why they needed to fight back against the government of the day at Rome. He could have told them that they needed to vote out that guy and vote in a better guy. They could have, he could have told them a number of things, but what he told them was that they needed Jesus because that is what they needed. And that's the message he preached. It, it affects the way you talk. It affects what you talk about. You, negative versus positive. Gossip versus gospel. Slander versus worship. When the Holy Spirit fills your sails, you don't have time for the mess. You only have time for the message. And that message is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Number eight. I told you we'd move through. Number eight. Expect curiosity. Verse 12, they were all astounded and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? Expect curiosity. People will want to know what you're doing. When those things come up, when you talk about God, when you talk about the magnificent works of God, when your life 
is changed. When you are different today than you were yesterday at the office or at school or across the desk or across the cubicle or wherever it might be, they're going to wonder. But don't rely on that. Don't wait for somebody to ask you or you end up looking like this. Will it pop up? There you go. That's what you look like eventually waiting on people to ask you about your faith. They're not going to. This day, yes. This, the, the rushing sound, the, the Galilean speaking, and, and I'm not discounting at all the change that will be wrought in your life and will therefore lead to people's curiosity. What I am discounting is the idea that evangelism is me being good and waiting on people to ask me why I'm good. That's not evangelism. This is, is not how we share the gospel. The command in eight is not, you will be my witnesses if they ask you. Now, we need to utilize that. We need to be willing to say, I am against abortion because I believe that all life is sacred. I believe that all life is sacred because of the image of God. Everyone is created in the image of God. The unborn to the almost dying or almost dead. From from birth to natural death, pre-birth, from conception to natural death, I believe that we are created in the image of God. Therefore, I believe all life is sacred. But I know it's sacred If I didn't know that just because we were created in the image of God, I know it is sacred because God loved us enough. Humanity, sinful humanity, war-ridden humanity, perverted humanity, loves them enough that He sent His Son to die for us. That's why I know that we're important. That's why I know that every life is sacred and special. And see, we have taken our belief and we've turned it back to Jesus. We've taken what we think, what we do, how we respond to current events, and we've turned it back to Jesus. We have not just said, well, if they ask me, I'll tell them, but I'm not going to bring it up. That's not, you, you, look like, you look like that. Expect curiosity, number eight. Number nine, you know it's coming. You know as a Christian, expect attacks. Uh, attacks. Verse 13, but some sneered and said, they're drunk on new wine. A couple of problems with that. They, there was no new wine at this time. Uh, the harvest would have been in the fall. That's when the new wine would have been. I mean, this is just a put down. This is just slander is all it is. It's just, we've got to find some way to discount what they're doing. You and God will be dismissed. When the Spirit fills your sails, when you are different, when you are renewed, rekindled, refreshed, and decided, no more will I be stagnant. No more will I keep my mouth shut. No more will I just live in the background, in the shadows, as a Christian. From now on, I will be bold. From now on, I will be what I'm called to be. When you make that decision, you will be dismissed. Maybe literally, you can lose your job or your livelihood. If, for example, you refuse to bake a cake... For a lifestyle that you believe to be sinful. You could be removed or 
given a, a, a warning as a teacher here recently was, I believe it was a warning, for telling a co-worker she'd pray for them and be written up for it. You could be literally dismissed, or you could just be called a kook. You could just be told, nope, you keep your, your crazy religion to yourself. And the answer is not to tell them you find their lack of faith disturbing and force choke them. Your answer is to say, you know what, I love you anyway. Thank you to the two people who laughed at that Darth Vader joke. Your answer is to say, I love you anyway. I have the message you need. And you know what? You don't want to talk about it right now. But I'm going to pray for you. And hope that down the road, I get an opportunity to talk to you again. There will always be those that always have excuses as to why they ignore the gospel. And you know who the excuses are usually? Us. You. They're going to throw it back on you. It'll be your fault they ignore the gospel. You know what our responsibility is? Make sure we aren't the excuse. It's been credited to Gandhi. I know I've said it before. I could believe in your Christ if it wasn't for you Christians. That can never be. We must begin to reverse that trend and say, you know what? It's been true too often because we tend to focus more on gossip than we do the gospel. We tend to focus more on the negative than we do the positive. We tend to focus more on slander than we do worship. But we're not going to reverse that trend until we stop doing that. And we are no longer the excuse for why people refuse to hear the gospel from our lips. But they're still going to find excuses. Clearly. They had all the evidence they really needed. They're about to be preached one of the best messages ever heard. And some are still going to refuse. We can expect that when the Holy Spirit fills our sails. So my question for you believers, are your sails raised? Or are they still folded neatly if you're OCD and wadded up stuck somewhere if you're not? Are, are they still hidden? You're just, I, I, I can't. There's no telling what God will tell me to do if I raise my sails. You're right, there is no telling. There's no telling how wonderful it'll be. It is, there's no telling how incredible it will be. There's no telling how fulfilled you will be in your faith. There's no telling how many people will come to Christ. There's no telling how you will change lives, maybe the world, because you were willing to raise your sails. You're right. There is absolutely no telling. Are you ready, believer, for the Spirit to work in you? Are you ready, church, for the Spirit to work through this church? Are we ready to move beyond stagnation? Are we ready to raise our sails again? You realize people go to the beach and open and get a hotel or a condo and they open the windows so they can feel the wind, right? My mom's, one of my, her favorite things to do is just go to the beach and sit and let the wind blow the cobwebs away is what she says. That's how she references it. That's what people do. They like the wind. Churches far too often, we batten down the hatches, close up the windows, bar the doors. We don't know wind in here. Keep them out. We don't say that. 
but heaven forbid people forbid that the Holy Spirit blow through and do something different send us on a different direction believer are you ready to catch the wind of the Holy Spirit this morning unbeliever are you feeling the breeze do you feel that spirit draw you this morning this, this sounds good, and you're looking, wow, that's what the Spirit did, and, and that's, that's how these believers responded. That's, that's the kind of thing they went through. That is incredible. I don't, I don't know that feeling. I don't, I don't understand it fully. I, I want that. How, how, do you, how do you get that? That is the Holy Spirit drawing you. Are you this morning, unbeliever, ready to respond to the Spirit's call of salvation? Because the Spirit calls Spirit leads, the Spirit draws. This morning, the Holy Spirit is working on your heart, speaking to your spirit to draw you to Jesus. This morning, the Holy Spirit's telling you you're a sinner. And you might be balking at that. I'm a pretty good person. I'm sure you are. You're still a sinner. And the sin results in death. The wages of sin is death, it says. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You're a sinner, just like me, just like the rest of us. We all are. And there are wages for that sin. And you must repent of those sins. You must turn from that life and turn to Christ. How do we know that works? Well, God proved his love. that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And he rose from the grave three days later to prove that his defeat of sin was final. His defeat of death was final. You have that promise. You have that proof. Now, will you repent? I don't mean feel bad. That's not repentance. I don't mean crying tears. We can cry a lot about, about, about a lot of things. I mean, we could cry today if, if LSU doesn't beat Arkansas in the SEC championship game. But that doesn't mean I'm repenting of anything. That just means I'm sad. We cry about a lot of things, but repentance is something deeper. Repentance is a change, a turn, uh, an about-face. Will you repent of your sins this morning? Will you turn from your old life, turn to Christ, and call on the name of the Lord to be saved? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. The Spirit is calling you this morning. Will you respond to the Spirit? You cannot be saved without the Spirit calling you. So that nudge you feel, that breeze you feel in your heart, that's the Spirit saying, come to Jesus. Will you come to Jesus this morning? Pray with me. Father, thank you that we have our lesson as believers here in Acts chapter 2. Signs to look for, things to expect when you are when you blow through when you send your spirit to blow through this place. When we have raised our sails and we are determined, we are going to catch that Holy Spirit. Lord, we are going to allow Him to lead. Allow Him to guide. Allow Him to change us. That You've shown us what we can expect. Lord, we know we can expect the good of, of changed hearts, of people just amazed at what's going on. We, can, we, we know we can expect to do things that we never thought we could for the gospel. We can know that we can expect persecution and people to turn on us and bring up our past and 
just outright refuse the gospel and break our hearts. But we know that you have called us to go and to share and to preach and to disciple. And But we can't save people. It's the Holy Spirit that draws. We can only give the message and pray. And God, I pray that we would. That that would be our heart's cry as a church. And our heart's cry as individuals. And this morning as your spirit blows through here. As we are refreshed and renewed because of the mere, mere... <laughs> use that word delicately, mere speaking of your word, as we as believers are refreshed, Lord, draw those who have never trusted Jesus as their Savior. May the Spirit work on their hearts. May the Spirit commune with their spirit and draw them to you today. And may they make their decision for you, to follow you, repent of their sins, trust Jesus as their Savior today, while it is still called today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what's your decision today? How you should you respond? Maybe you need to accept Christ. You need to come forward. Coming forward doesn't save you. We'll pray a prayer, but the prayer doesn't save you. It is the, the work of the Holy Spirit on your heart. When you trust Jesus for your salvation, that's what you turn to Him. That's what saves you. This is just us being able to celebrate with you and talk with you. Maybe you don't want to come down front. You don't want to have that conversation right here. You want to grab me uh, after the service. I'll be back at the Connection Center. Uh, mo- I would say anybody in the red t-shirt, they're sticking out today, so I'm going to pick on them. Uh, you grab somebody in one of these red t-shirts, they can talk to you about it if uh, you want to talk to them. You see the men that come up and take the offering, they can talk to you about it. Grab one of them. But if you want to accept Christ today, you have the opportunity. Maybe you need to make another decision. You need to, need to follow in in obedience uh, to, to the Lord in baptism. You've accepted Christ, but you've not been obedient through baptism. You want to join our church. You need to make another decision. You know you've been hiding your sails. You've got them tucked away, and you're determined today to raise those sails, but you just don't have the strength. Maybe you need to come and pray this morning. God, help me raise those sails and not be scared of where you blow my boat. I don't know what your decision is, but the time is now to make it. Come and pray at the front if you need to. Pray with me. I'd love to do that if you want that as well. But whatever your decision is this morning, as we sing, you do business with God. Let's stand and sing.